Welcome to another edition of the Sports Cafe. My name is Ian Gus, joined alongside two of our regulars, Mike Mandel and Mike Weil. Adam Rosen is out on assignment, enjoying Denver. Looks like he took in a, a baseball game today, so uh, hopefully we'll have the full crew back together next week, but we're excited to be back. My name's Ian Gus, hosting this week, and we're back to our, our podcast form. I think we're kind of going back and forth right now, but hopefully we'll get into a new routine somewhat soon. And we have a lot of things to discuss. The NFL, I don't, I don't think we've chatted since the season got underway. And of course, baseball pennant race is where we're going to start. Mike Weil, how are you feeling about things? I mean, it's sort of just like waiting for the playoffs to start. I'm ecstatic that the White Sox wrapped up the division finally last week and excited to see the first playoff home game at Guaranteed Rate Field in 13 years. So that'll be in attendance. um, TBD. I will let you guys know, but I'm hoping to. Um, But it's just exciting to, to have them back in the playoffs the first time in their 120 year history that they made the playoffs two seasons in a row and last year didn't really count so um you know we'll see it looks like we're playing the astros so you you guys all know how i feel about the astros and i'm looking forward to beating them without their buzzers and their banging trash cans and all that good stuff so we'll we'll get to that i'm sure I think the best thing about baseball are some of those crazy stats that I feel like almost every night you read a new one, uh, but the back-to-back years is definitely up there with, with some of the others. Mike Mandel, your team is uh, fall has fallen off. Uh, they made a little bit of a run, but wh- how are you feeling about things right now? Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a rough time to be a Philly sports fan for sure. Um, and the Phillies are probably about as good as done, even if they come back tonight and uh, win the next one against the Braves. It's still going to require a lot to go right for them. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm not expecting much from them for the rest of the season. And you know, we all know how the Eagles are doing, but hey, maybe maybe the Sixers will come in next month and, and turn things around for our city. It's best we could hope for. Well, we will uh, get to the other sports, but for now, why don't we start with baseball and. Uh... Maybe I'm a homer, but, uh, you know, I think the AL East or the AL wildcard situation is probably the most exciting uh, kind of, uh, you know, last week or so heading into the playoffs where a lot of the all the divisions are pretty much wrapped up at this point. Um, So it's really the AL wildcard. We could maybe mention the the Cardinals and their unbelievable streak, but AL wildcard has been a. I can't remember when there's been four, you can almost say five teams in the mix for two spots this late in the season where um, I think last we talked, the Yankees were on a lengthy losing streak after their 13 game win streak. And now they've won seven in a row, including sweeping the Red Sox in Boston. You know, you guys are aware of, especially John Carlos Stanton, basically carrying the team on his back with home runs every night, big home runs, uh, Judge also playing really well, and the Yankees are now, as of tonight, which things could change in, in a couple hours, but are in position to host that first wild card game, uh, or I should say the wild card game for the AL. That said, they have the tougher schedule, playing right now against Toronto and then hosting the Rays this weekend, whereas Boston plays the Orioles and surprisingly maybe shockingly lost last night to the Orioles looks like they are winning tonight and I think they play the Nationals and then we have Seattle out of nowhere also in the mix so 
Mike Weil, I'll start with you. Where do you see things kind of ending out as we approach the last weekend of games in the regular season? I mean, this just shows you the twists and turns of a long baseball season, Ian. Especially for you, it's been a roller coaster last couple months where I think a couple weeks ago you were pretty much writing them off and now they have a two-game lead in, in command. Their chances of, were down to 21%, I saw, in the, in, in the roller coaster ride. It was, And now we're back up to, I think, 80% to make yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that the Yankees at this point, barring an epic collapse, are likely to be one of the two wildcard teams. I'm not going to go as far as to say they're for sure going to be the home team because it's to be determined. But the crazy thing is the Mariners are half game back of the Red Sox. The Blue Jays are one game back of the Red Sox and I saw the Blue Jays were winning as of a half hour ago in. I don't They're know. They're up 5-3 if... currently. The Yankees have two men on base. So the, the Yankees are, are trying to come back but each game, I mean, the fact that the Yankees won and swept the Red Sox and then took the first game against the Blue Jays last night, it, it really shows you that the Yankees said to themselves, we have it within our own power to determine our destiny and, and grab a first wild card. So I, I do like the Yankees for one of the wild card spots. Second is going to be interesting. The Blue Jays are very scary. The Red Sox have been good all year, and the Mariners are kind of that under-the-radar team that, that no one saw coming, but they're hanging in. So I'm going to go just chalk, I guess, because there's so few games remaining and the Red Sox still have the Orioles for tonight and tomorrow um i'm gonna go yankees get the number one spot it's gonna be close i'm I'm not confident in the red sox for sure getting the second spot but i think that they will prevail over the blue jays and the mariners for for that number two spot the a's pretty much at this point at three and a half back are probably done so yankees red sox and that'll be a heck of a game to to face the race. I know. I wish it was a series, not a game, but it's another discussion about the format. How about you, Mike Mike Mandel? Um, do you agree with Wild? you think it's going to be Yankees-Red Sox? Uh, I, I agree with half of what he said. Well, I, I agree with a lot of what he said. As far as his picks go, I agree with half of them. Um, but, I, you know, Wild is certainly the, the, the right name for, for this wild card race. Um, it, it's really the only remaining race that there is. I think um, you know, Braves versus Phillies is all but over, and um, even the Giants-Dodgers looks like the Giants will probably hang on and both teams in the playoffs anyway. But it, it really is amazing how this all came together because I think, you know, up until maybe a couple of days ago, it was really a race between those three AL East, between the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. The Mariners had, had really flown under the radar, as Mike said, this entire time. They were, you know, still within arm's length um, away from the rest of the uh, the AL East. And, They've kind of come out of nowhere to bring themselves back in contention. Um, that said, I think it might still be too little, too late for them. Um, they're, they're doing a good job at cleaning up the A's, and you know I think um, you know, the A's at one point looked like they might have had a, a long shot at getting that wild card. They're they're basically out of it now. Um, you know they do have, I'd say, still an outside chance. Um, if I had to pick, though, I actually do think that it'll end up being the Blue Jays as the the second wild card. I agree with Mike that the Yankees will be the first wild card. I think uh, you know they're in the driver's seat now. It'll be uh, pretty unlikely for them to 
to slip out of that. But um, I, I think largely because the Blue Jays end the season with the three-game series hosting the Orioles um, really gives them the best chance. Um, you know, the Red Sox play the Nats um, not that much better, but they're still significantly better, and, and they're going to be playing on the road as well. Um, so I, I actually like the uh, the Blue Jays passing them and, and ultimately having a showdown with the Yankees um, for that wild card spot. I know they're playing each other now, um, so I think it'll be a lot of anticipation uh, and, and I just saw that the Yankees tied the game, Kyle Higashioka, with a two-run single. So the Blue Jays have to win this game or else they could find themselves two games back. Yeah, and this is this was the Cole yeah. start. So this was the one that the Yankees were kind of banking on. Um, but now you're ahead of me in my uh, tracking, oh, so sorry, I'm excited sorry. to hear that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I had both of us Sharing good news early is still good news, so. Um, I'm happy about that. And then tomorrow, uh, Robbie Ray goes, who's you know, the likely, almost definite Cy Young winner. So I, at this point, I, I'm thinking the Yankees are probably going to lose tomorrow. So tonight is a very important game. Uh, Yankees are really the only team that have a tough last series. The rest of the teams they're competing with have it pretty easy down the stretch. So I'm not so sure the Yankees are going to end up hosting. Don't forget, a tie with the Red Sox means the Red Sox win because they won the season series. So it, the game would be in Fenway. So I lean towards Mandel also. I'm going to say the Yankees make it and probably the Blue Jays. I, I think the Blue Jays have the best starting pitching of all the teams um, that we're talking about in this in this case. I mean, the Red Sox, obviously, have sale, but uh, they couldn't win sales game last night. So um, it's very exciting. And I, I've, I've never been a huge fan of the one game. I know as a neutral observer, it's it's exciting. Uh, well, it's exciting for everyone, but it's nerve-wracking for the teams that are in it. The Yankees have been in it a number of times the last few years. I think they've won two and lost one, maybe. Or maybe they've won all of them. Um, but I, I'd like to see a best of three. Like They had last year, I believe, right? Um, I think yeah. it would make, especially with these teams fighting for, you know, fighting for that wild card um, in the AL. So, very exciting to uh, to see how it all plays out. Um, the Yankees up and down season to Wiles Point. I can't remember a season where it's like week to week. Like one week they're the best team in baseball, the next week they can't win a game. So hopefully they're on one of those hot streaks now and it'll continue through the playoffs. But um, why don't we stay in the AL while and, and talk about your team. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned it already, but the wrapping up of the – of the central and now just kind of waiting for the Astros and that series, you know, probably are the two favorites in the league going to be battling in the first round. So what do you think the, the White Sox chances are? And do you like wrapping things up so early or do you, do you worry a bit about not, you know, every game not mattering much right now? No, I like wrapping things up early. I think that they're pretty much the last month. It was all about staying healthy and, I don't mind wrapping things up early. You look at teams going into the playoffs. I know people say it's good to be hot going into the playoffs, but really you look at even last year, the Astros, everyone wanted to play the Astros last year, and they kind of limped in, and then they made it to the ALCS, almost made it to the World Series. So in terms of the actual playoffs themselves, for the White Sox, it really if you can get dominant performances from, from Giolito and Lynn, and then, and then Rodon staying healthy, then I, I think the really the two keys for me are 
Cam Carlos Rodon be the pitcher that looked like the Cy Young favorite before he was shut down because of his arm fatigue? And if that is the case, I, I really like Giolito and Lynn and Rodon as that triumvirate, and Dylan Cease has been outstanding in the second half. So you have four starters that can that can really be good. And, and then if Eloy Jimenez can regain his power stroke, the way the lineup is coming together the last week or so, Robert's been phenomenal. He's been crushing the ball. Mankata is finally showing power. I think he's been recovering from COVID, and he's homered multiple times in the last week, which for him, he only has 13 homers on the year. Yasmani Grandal, since he came back, has been great. So so the lineup doesn't scare me as much because I think that if you get two or three guys in that lineup hitting, they're going to score enough runs. It's the starters and then Kimbrell and Hendricks at the back end. If Craig Kimbrell can be Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks does what he's been doing the last month and a half, really after the the Field of Dreams game, he's been he's been great. Hopefully he keeps it up. I, I like the White Sox chances a lot because they have a well-rounded team. The Astros, though, have been a lot more consistent this year. They, they've been... The White Sox have been prone to these streaks of play where they've lost a few series in a row or they've just gotten cold at the plate. And the Astros, especially hitting-wise, seem like they've been more consistent. So I think it's a toss-up, honestly. If you were to say who is the better lineup overall this year, you'd say the Astros have been more consistent. If you were to say who had the better starting rotation, you'd give the nod to the White Sox. And in terms of bullpen, I'd have to also say the White Sox just with... Hendricks, Kimbrel, Kopech, Tapera, and Bummer at the back end. You you can mix and match those five guys. So we'll talk more about the playoff series next week. I'm guessing, but I feel yeah, pretty we'll good. Yeah, we'll do a full preview. I, yeah, I think that in terms of favorites, I don't want to discount the Rays. I think you kind of just depends on who's hot and and who plays well in each series. Because once you get to these, especially the best of five, it's a short series, so anything can happen. So to, to me, White Sox-Astros would be a toss-up. I'm very excited for it. It's two really good teams. Um, but I don't want to discount the Rays. I don't want to discount the Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Mariners, whoever whoever wins that wild card game. Um, yeah, there's not a clear favorite, right? It's all no. They're all strong teams, but... Um, and there's I not any like the- notably like weak teams. Like You wouldn't look at, I guess, maybe the Red Sox and the Mariners would be weaker teams. the Mariners... Teams. Yeah, Mariners are, you know, Toronto maybe just because they don't have the track record, but they have a strong team. Um, I mean, I, the one thing I'd say about the White Sox is they've been in control, you know, all year long, really. And um, I think it would be a disappointment, you tell me, but if they can't get out of the first round. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I think anything less than at least ALCS, possibly World Series to me this year, is a disappointment because... I don't know where Rodon's going to be next year. They re-signed Lynn, but I don't know what they're going to do with Kimbrell. Um, they, they still have a lot of their guys under contract for the next few years, which is really exciting. This should be the beginning of their window. But given how we know how hard it is to win in advance in, a ba- in baseball, if you get there, I, I would say for any team, I mean, Ian, would you, you'd be disappointed probably too with a, with a loss in the ALDS. Or would you not be? Well, 
Nietzsche's. going into the season, yes. But I mean, at this point, to to kind of come back and even make the playoffs, I think is is somewhat of a success. A... But I think your point is well taken. I mean, you saw the Cubs in 2016. It was kind of a one. People thought it was the start of a dynasty. It was one year. The Yankees got to Game Seven of the ALCS in 2017 against the Astros and haven't been you know back there since in terms of that far. Um, so the windows are short for a lot. Of, I mean, look at the Nationals, right? They went from like best team to worst team pretty quickly. So you gotta, uh, you gotta. You have to capitalize. You have to you maximize your brings. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that they're gonna do that. I hope they're ready too. Um, I know my future uncle Wilfred made the point that. Um, Given that they've dominated the AL Central basically the whole season, they had some pretty weak competition within the division. And the question is, are they ready to face the elite teams um, out of the West and the East? Their, their regular season track record against those teams is somewhat mixed. Um, you know, that said, yes, you, the fans, the team, they're all very hungry to make it really far within this postseason. So um, I, I think mentally they're ready. Um you know, as long as they have the, the, the talent to face down the Astros or whoever they end up playing in the East, assuming they get past the Astros, uh, that, that'll be the big question here. So we'll have more time to discuss uh, the playoffs themselves, but why don't we switch over to the NL and uh, spend, I guess, unfortunately, a brief period of time on the NL East, which at this point is wrapped up with the, the Braves, uh, you know, basically finishing pretty hot. Um Mandel, I mean, did you ever kind of buy in, or or were you skeptical? I mean, the Braves have won what eight of their last nine, something like that. About nine, soon to be nine of their last ten. Yeah, possibly. I, you know, the the one time I really bought into it the most was when the Phillies went on their eight game win streak, which was the longest win streak they had had. I want to say since 2011, um, and that was the last time they had a winning record at all. The last time they made it to the playoffs, and then right after that, they. Uh, they start spiraling downward, and you've seen this feast of famine play um, throughout most of the season, and especially in the second half. Um, and it's great when they're feasting, but when, when, when it's a famine, um, it's flat-out painful. Um, the only reason that they've been able to stay in it for most of the season is that the Braves were doing the same thing. Um, but the Braves, um, they, they, they outlasted the Phillies. I think their feasts were slightly longer overall. Um you know, I'd say it around the All-Star break, them, the Phillies, the Mets, they were roughly tied. Um, and the Braves made some good moves, and they, they really turned it on for the second half of the season. And um, because of the way things worked out, it really all came down to this final series here um, in Atlanta. And you know, reasonably, the Phillies pretty much had to sweep them. To, to be on even footing with them, they really had to sweep. Um, that would have put them a half game above the Braves um, going into the final stretch. Even if they come back tonight and they win tomorrow, make it two out of three, they're still a game and a half back. And basically everything would have to go right at the end of the season. And with the Braves playing the Mets and maybe the Rockies to finish it out, even that's tough to ask for. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat used to this disappointment. The Phillies have often looked sharp going into the summer. And, and then you know, mid to late August, they would collapse towards the end of the season and bring themselves out of playoff contention. Um, that said, this is probably the furthest they've made it in a long time. And I think you also have to look at the individual seasons of both Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler, who may well be the NL MVP and, and Cy Young, respectively. Uh, Bryce Harper, 
who, who I'd criticized during his first two seasons with the team. Um, he has earned every penny of his gigantic salary this season. Not saying I expect him to be an MVP candidate the entire rest of the contract. That would be ridiculous. But, you know, between that and, and Wheeler's dominating season, I finally have a little bit of hope for the future because I think you could really build the team around Harper and Wheeler, whereas before you didn't really have that centerpiece that, that you can build the team around. Um, once, you know, the Utley, Howard, Rollins era ended, um, you had a bunch of, you know, okay to semi-decent players, um, you know, both from the pitching and the, and the hitting, especially when Hamels went. I mean, sometimes Nola would have a, a standout season, but as far as being able to build the team around folks, I think now they finally have those pieces. So they make a few moves in the offseason, maybe they can contend next season. Yeah, no, those are great points. I think the other component, while, is it's just the overall weakness of the division, of the team that's going to win it is probably going to finish with, what, 80, 87-ish wins? Yeah, I mean, the Braves were in shambles this year, and I give them all the credit in the world for piecing together their outfield at the trade deadline, getting Solaire, Peterson, Duval. To, to bolster their chances. And when Acuna got hurt, I thought, no way with the injuries to the pitching staff that they had and, and then to their outfield. And then I know Adam's not here, but it's true. The, the way the Mets were playing, you thought it was going to be the Mets and maybe the Phillies. And the Braves kind of were that. Well, the Braves were aware of the Mets' history, so they right, weren't exactly. out of it. They, they went for it. So Adam's not here to kind of chime I don't in, I don't think he would defend right the he Mets, probably chime in is the right word <laughs> he'd probably say yeah the Mets are the Mets so of course the Braves would do that but I give them a lot of credit I do think the Braves are going to be the clear favorite next year barring any move by the Phillies I think the Phillies are going to be good especially if Harper can kind of replicate what he's doing this year I'm not saying he's going to do the same thing but if this is the Bryce Harper you're getting the Phillies certainly will be in contention, and then they're, they're pitching. They've just kind of had, like Mike said, an up-and-down year, so it's hard. And the Mets, who knows? At this point with the Mets, it's hard to say what you're going to get year to year. I thought that this year, especially getting Baez at the trade deadline, that they would, they would contend. They would at least make the playoffs. But now I know DeGrom got hurt, so you'll get him back. You'll get Syndergaard back. So that'll help them, but it just mentally, can they get over this hurdle of late-season collapses? And until they do, the Braves are the favorite in that division, in my opinion. Mandel, I think the Phillies are are right up there. They're not as good as the Braves when the Braves are healthy, but they're they're the type of team that can grab that wild-card spot even if the Braves win the division next year. So there's Definitely a weakness. The Marlins can be up and coming with their pitching staff, but this is for next year's conversation. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time yeah. to discuss that. And, and we did. So we started looking at the the over unders, which all our listeners may remember. We we did at the beginning of the season. We'll aim to go through those next show too, because there's a few I think interesting ones that stand out. It's one of them. Of one of them. Uh, if I say so myself, a good segue to the last baseball topic is the NL West probably the biggest surprise in baseball is the Giants. And it's a team that no matter how big the lead or how late in the season, I think we were all pretty skeptical that they were going to end up uh, holding off the Dodgers. But at this point, that's, that's the case. So, um, you know, I guess Mandel, what are your thoughts on the NL West and 
you know, do the are the Giants the favorites, or, or where do you kind of uh, where do you see this going as we wind down the regular season? It, it's absolutely amazing how many people the Giants have proven wrong this season. Um, so as you said, we all chose the under on seventy five and a half wins, um, which is way out of playoff territory. And now they're hanging in there. They have the best record in the entire league. Um, 103 wins. They'll probably end the season with, uh, you know, maybe 105, 106. Um, and I think given how many people they've proven wrong and, and how they've continued to dominate um, what's, if not the best, the second, the be- best division in baseball, I think it would be pretty difficult to not consider them the favorites. I understand that, you know, people like to go with experience and based on experience alone, well, the Dodgers have that. They've been there. They're still an incredible team. Um, and I think a lot of people would consider them the favorites. But I, I, the Giants have held them off. And as you said, we didn't think they would. We, we figured eventually, even if they made the, the wild card, that eventually the Dodgers would pass them and, and take the division. So, um, you know, I'm not, I, I, I do think you could end up getting um, a uh, – in NLCS with the Giants and Dodgers, and I, I'd still think that the, that the Giants would be um, the slight favorite there, um, especially given that they would have that home field advantage um, in such a series. I mean, this is just um, unbe- un- unbelievable what the Giants have done. You look at their rotation, and you have guys like Anthony DiSclefani, Kevin Gausman, Alex Wood, like these guys that were kind of just middle of the pack if that starting pitchers on teams that were struggling and it was as they say in Moneyball like an island of misfit toys they just came together and Gabe Kapler gets all the credit in the world I I think he should be the unanimous manager of the year he's probably going to be the unanimous manager of the year and this is in terms of a team that's projected to finish the way that they were projected at the beginning of the year and the result that actually happened in this division with probably the most talented team in the baseball in baseball and the Dodgers and one of the most talented teams in the Padres coming into this year this to me is the most impressive in terms of difference in expectation versus reality a season as I can remember I this this shocked me and the fact that they have 102 wins and they're not slowing down, they've they've just exceeded all expectations. And I can't say that they're not the favorite, man, though, because even though the Dodgers are more talented, you could argue all the other teams, the Brewers are more talented, the Giants still, they have the most wins. So, so who am I to discount them going into the playoffs? I, I would say I would put the Dodgers and the Brewers ahead of the Giants in terms of my ranking in terms of talent but the the giants have been phenomenal yeah for me it's that extra round that the dodgers are gonna have to play against the cardinals who are the hottest team in baseball so if you remove that i would still give the edge to the dodgers even though they are a couple games behind the giants for you know partially for the postseason experience winning the title last year but uh it'll be very interesting to watch starting uh what a week from Yes, or a week from tonight? A week from yesterday? Yeah, a week, a week from game yesterday. And then the NL. 
And then yes. uh, the division series start probably next Friday. So, And also, I want to give a shout-out to the Cardinals because we haven't talked about them yet. They're on a 17-game win streak right now. Like, that's incredible. And it might end tonight. They're down 3 nothing in the sixth. Who are they playing? Milwaukee. I mean, they got the wild card. They clinched, so they I can mean, at this take point, their foot yeah, off the gas yeah. now. Yeah, but lucky that, 17. Like, think about it. The, the Cardinals just always tend to do this. They're just there. Similar to the A's in a lot of years, where no one thought of them as a playoff team this year. They rattle off 17 in a row. You got Tyler O'Neill, who's been phenomenal. And then, of course, Arenado and Goldschmidt have been great. And, and Adam Wainwright, at, was he 40-plus years old? He's having the best of the year. his career, it, yeah. it, statistically. So... Um, it just, you never know. The Cardinals, people were joking on Twitter. We should have all seen this coming. Dodgers, Cardinals, wild card game. Cardinals will clearly beat the Dodgers to make it to the playoffs. And then who knows what happens. So you could have a White Sox Cardinals world series for, for all I know, Tony La Russa against his old team. But you enjoy that. I would, yeah. I mean, listen, if they, if the White Sox got to the world series, you don't care who they're playing. I, I would enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 17 around, 19 out of 20. Mandel, are you as shocked by this as anything else in baseball? The Cardinals coming on this strong late? Yeah, I, I don't remember the last time a team has won 17 games in a row. Um, and you look at the fact that ESPN, I think it said they had a 1.3% chance of making the playoffs um, 17 games ago when they were, I think, off two games above 500. Um you know, so them coming in like this and dominating the the, the wild card race, um, I don't think anybody would have expected it. Um, I think we had said, you know, the Reds were the more likely team to, to win the wild card of the of the central teams, and now the uh, the Cardinals have already mathematically eliminated them. Um, Jeff Passan had joked on Twitter, he's like, I think three days ago or something, he said Cardinals are never going to lose again, and then he like he, he retweeted that again today. Uh, even if they end up losing tonight to the Brewers, they they did what they came to do, which was to clinch that wild card spot. Um, and you know, you made a good point. You know, when it comes to the Dodgers and, and you know, the prospects versus the Giants, yeah, you, we we don't even know if they're going to make it yet because they're going to have to deal with the Cardinals, who uh, right right now they're a runaway train. Um, and I don't, you know, we'll see if the Brewers end up hanging on, but I don't I don't know who's stopping them at this point. Yeah, a lot of interesting storylines as we get down to the wire in the regular season and the playoffs starting next week. So a lot more baseball talk in our future. But for now, we will transition over to the NFL. We are now three weeks into the season out of 17 games, right, instead of 16 this year. But Mm -hmm. uh, definitely some storylines have emerged, some surprises, not so surprising uh, stories as well. Mike Weil, I guess if we just kind of start at the top, if you maybe if someone missed the first three weeks of football, we're on another planet, who knows what, what would you share as kind of the top storylines that stand out? I mean, the best team in football right now looks to be the Los Angeles Rams. I think Matt Stafford coming over Detroit to L.A. has made all of, all the difference in the world. And the, the Rams, both on offense and defense, look like a formidable force and as we saw, they took care of business against the defending Super Bowl champions last weekend. I, I think in the NFC, it clearly has to be the Rams. In the AFC, the Chiefs, 
after three weeks are in last place. I know it's only three weeks, but the Chiefs have struggled, and they're looking to get it back together this weekend against Mandel's Eagles, but we, uh, and they probably will, but, but at the same time, had you told people that weren't going to watch the first three games, the Chiefs are going to be in last place in their division, I think they'd be shocked. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the big surprises. How about you, Mike Mandel? What do you what did you think uh, after keeping an eye on the first three weeks? So, Mike mentioned part of this, but I, I look at two particular quarterbacks with new teams um, this season, and, and those two quarterbacks being Matt Stafford and Sam Darnold. Um, just to to show you how much the organization can make a difference. I mean, and I'll I'll admit I was wrong about both these guys, Matt Stafford. I had always billed him as a good but not great quarterback. He was first overall pick by Detroit back in 08. Um, you know, never got them into contender status. And I, last year, I had questioned that, or during the offseason, I, I had questioned the trade that the Rams had made for Jared Goff, not even knowing whether Stafford was better at all. But um, what we've seen through the first three weeks, I think he threw the, he's thrown the most touchdown passes for the Rams in the first three games since Kurt Warner, all the way back in, like, 2001. Um, three games in, he has shown that he is every bit the elite quarterback that the Rams expected when they brought him on. And, you know, maybe he is indeed the guy. Um, it, it seems like the mediocrity that he faced in Detroit, based on the way he's playing now, it was all that organization and, and not just him. Uh, or not him at all, really. That he simply needed, he needed weapons and he needed a line that could protect him. Um, he, he's leading the team atop what's probably the toughest division in football and so far hasn't missed a beat. Then you look at Sam Darnold on the Panthers. Um, who would have thought the Panthers would have been 3-0 to start the season? And McCaffrey's injured. And McCaffrey's injured. Um, you know, I, I had thought Darnold was a bust. Um, not that it was necessarily his fault, but um, his start with the Jets... Um, Disappointing would be a bit of an understatement, but you know my my thoughts were that okay, it's it's it might be mostly the Jets' fault, but he clearly wasn't the guy they needed either. But now he's on he's on the Panthers, and what a difference a team makes. He comes into the season, first game crushes his old team, um, then he leads them past the Saints and the Texans, um, and as you said, no Christian McCaffrey. Um, he's got a couple decent receivers, DJ Moore in particular, but. He's 3-0, and he's doing things that I don't think anybody saw that he was capable of in any of his time with the Jets. Um, he's already got more wins with the Panthers than he did all last season with the Jets. And the fact that the Panthers, you know, that they're, they're not contenders um, in what's also a pretty tough division in the NFC South, it's pretty remarkable. Um, so I think you've got to look at it. Again, it was the Jets organization that failed. And look at the way just um, – Who's the name of the rookie that they're starting now? Zach Wilson. <laughs> Zach Wilson. Um, look, and look at the way he's starting off. He's doing yeah, he's, well. Yeah. No. And, I, I, sorry, I'll let you finish your point. No, you're right. It's probably it's not really his fault, but it's the Jets. They, they they seem to set the quarterbacks up to fail. Once they leave, you see what they're made of. Um, and that's happened with both Stafford and with Donald. I'm I'm pretty excited to see how the rest of the season goes for them. Yeah, I mean, I think. I don't know if I'd call the Panthers contenders yet. I'm a little skeptical. They beat the the Jets in New Orleans at home. New Orleans in pretty good win, and then at Houston. So you know, we'll we'll see. We'll keep an eye on them. I think your point about Zach Wilson and the other rookie quarterbacks, 
um, is one of the surprises to me of the lack of success with any of them. Um, you know, rookies sometimes or often do struggle, but uh, this has been been pretty surprising given how I guess vaunted the the class was in the draft and, and what we were expecting, especially from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, the Jags overall, I don't think we thought would be very good, but um, they're they're living up to their reputation. Um, so that was that was one thing. I know we're going to talk about our teams in a in a second, um, but I, yeah, I think the the other one that surprised me a bit is the Patriots struggling, and I I, I kind of bought a little bit into their preseason hype with their rookie QB. They had a you know consistent running back for once. Belichick had a full you know regular off season to prepare, but they've struggled a bit. And and we're going to talk about their game against the Bucks this week, which is highly anticipated, but. They've gotten off uh, to a slow start, so lots of interesting storylines as we, uh, you know, approach the quarter mark of the season. But um, why don't we? Uh, if we don't want to depress our listeners, so we'll keep this pretty short. <laughs> but we do want to at least touch on all of our teams, and it's kind of one is worse than the next. Um, I think. I, mean, I, I guess think which of our teams is the worst? I think Mendel has the best team right now out of all. Uh, yeah, it's all probably of us. has to be Maybe. Eagles. Clo- I'd say closely followed by the Bears, and then the Jets and the Giants are basically laughing stocks, each in their own way. I would say, like, the Giants are like heartbreaking laughing stock, and then the Jets are just like embarrassment. Is that a fair way to describe the situation? But I'll give a I'll give a quick thought on the Giants because the game. Uh, Two weeks ago, this Thursday night game at Washington was one of the most pathetic performances of just blown calls and missed opportunities. And, um, you know, obviously the field goal at the end that was missed, but the guy lined up offside, although maybe afterwards he actually wasn't an offside. Either way, they lost on a buzzer beater and field goal. Um, after so many opportunities to put away the Washington team, which you know isn't very impressive, and then uh, this past week where we all picked the Giants to win by three against the Falcons, another uh, you know less than exciting team, the Giants just choked up another lead and lost again. So um, you know there's not too much good to say. I think the coach that everyone loves, Joe Judge. Uh, He's starting to wear thin a bit. I mean, he's, I think, now 6-13 and 13 in his career. He's made some questionable decisions, calling timeouts at weird times. He didn't go for it on fourth down at one point where he probably should have. So at the end of the day, you have to start winning games. And, yes, they had a little mini run late last season in a, in a bad division to kind of make them somewhat competitive. But besides that, it's been uh, – I guess it's the Giants and the Jets since 2017 have the same record, which is the worst record in all of football. So pretty shocking given that you know the Giants won two Super Bowls and, what, five or six years prior to that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, they need a complete overhaul. I was at the game this uh, past Sunday. They honored Eli Manning at halftime. And probably the um, highlight of the game, which you guys may have seen, was uh, John Mara, their owner, spoke briefly honoring Eli and the fans just booed him out of the building and Eli had to tell them to quiet down. So uh, that was, I guess, cathartic in some ways, but besides that, it's been a a very rough three games and their schedule is only going to get harder. So I don't think the Giants will be favored probably in another game for a long time. 
Shall we stay in the the? Oh, and feel free to chime in on anything of the Giants. But Mandel, why don't you uh, give a few thoughts on the Eagles? Yeah, and listen, I, I I didn't expect anything. I didn't expect much out of the Eagles this season. I think very few fans did. Uh, nonetheless, people were very excited after they played a nearly perfect game against the Falcons in the beginning of the season. Um, and what what did I say after that game? I said two things. First off. Look, look at who their opponent is and, and look at the rest of their schedule. We'll have to see how they fare against tougher competition. And secondly, you know, they got through the first game nearly unscathed as far as injuries go, but we know how how, how well the training and medical staff has done the past couple of seasons. And, you know, two games later, we're, we're seeing exactly that. They, uh, they play a couple of tougher opponents. They hung in there against the 49ers last week, but um, even then it was a clearly winnable game where they made a couple of key mistakes. Um and then against the Cowboys, they predictably got destroyed. Um, I want to say Jalen Hurts' QBR was around 9 out of, out of 100, and it was almost like nothing could go right for them. He made some really bad decisions as, as the quarterback. Um, the line did their best to protect him, but then they, of course, a, a, as Eagles have done, uh, picked up a couple of additional injuries, so they're already reaching pretty deep into their second string for linemen. Um, their defense, they were tired pretty early on because – they were on the field for probably about 70 to 80 percent of the time um, in the first quarter, so you know they they were ineffective for pretty much all of the second half because they were already um, fatigued at that point. Um, so I, I don't expect much out of them for the rest of the season. I, I'd be happy if they won five games, to be honest with you, because I I don't see them winning much more than that. The Chiefs are going to have the ability to come in and crush them. Um, they still think... have two games against the Giants. Yeah, they do, and they'll probably win one of them. My guess is that they, they might lose the one in New York, but the, <laughs> they win one in, in Philly. Um, but, yeah, I, I, my, my potential wins are, are the Giants, Washington, the Lions. Um, I think I saw one other team on there that they had a good shot at. Uh, no, the Jets. I, you know, Those are the four teams that I think they, they might be the favorites against for the rest of the season. Um, I, I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, is Jalen Hurts the guy? Is he the guy to take the franchise forward for the foreseeable future, or do we have to go out there and and, and find a starter? Um, he basically took full accountability for the loss against the Cowboys, saying that he dropped a deuce, and that you know when he dropped a deuce, he just got <laughs> to flush it, it down. <laughs> Don't think about it. Um, so it's good to hear that. Um, at the same time, let's see some execution um, because last season you would see the same thing coming out of Carson Wentz. He might have been less colorful in his language, but he kept saying, I got to be better. We didn't see him get better. And um, uh, what I want is for for Jalen Hurts to have learned a lot um, from this game, learn the mistakes he made, you know, be ready to listen to the coaching and watching the film. And um, I just want to see him turn things around, even if the Eagles lose, but let's at least put up a good fight. Very well said. Now we uh, stay in the the conference and move over to the the central. While um, seems like the the Bears kind of can't get out of their own way, um, but that's just me on the out. What what have you seen? I know you're following the team a lot closer than we are. It just is frustrating. Matt Nagy has no idea what he's doing as a play caller. Bill Lazor should be calling the plays. Basically, he's been trying to implement Andy Reid's offense for the last four years. The problem is you don't have the same personnel that Andy Reid has, 
and you don't have the same, namely, not, I'm not even talking about the quarterback or skill positions, their offensive line is a mess. So you need to get Justin Fields, who's a supremely talented quarterback, out of the pocket, run some bootlegs, get him moving, run some options. It's It just is so depressing to watch. I think this was the second lowest output of yards in Bears history, which is saying a lot. 43 yards of total offense, pathetic. So that's, that's how I would sum it up. They have the second oldest roster in the league, and they're pretty much maxed out payroll-wise. So between Ryan Pace, who has not done a good job building this roster, and Matt Nagy, who has no idea what he's doing, I just hope they don't damage fields. Everyone has to go after this season. It's just a, it's, it's a mess. It's a complete and total mess. So I think their schedule is going to be brutal. The hope is you get a good draft pick, but... I have to see even if they have their draft pick this year. They've traded so many first-round picks that I don't even know if they have their first-round pick this year. But it's a—it just is sad. Like it's—it's it's a bad situation right now. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I yeah, got. It's uh, all three of our teams, and then the Jets, I guess, are arguably the worst. Although hard to, it's all up for debate. Hard to compare. I mean, they, yeah. they can't score. Probably. Yeah, I guess it's it. I don't know, though. It's it's the debate we always have. Would you rather your team get blown out or have heartbreaking losses? I mean, I'd rather see blowouts because then you just turn it off and you do something else. Heartbreaking you loss. You do something else, exactly. Well, right. Heartbreaking loss, you're, you know, they, they suck you in. And then it just all fizzles out. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about our team. Maybe we'll get some successes, unlikely, but uh, in, in the next few weeks. But um, I think for now we will... Uh, move on to our last NFL topic before our picks, which is, in a lot of ways, the game of the week, which is Brady making his long-awaited return to England. Uh, this past week, they had a big game against the Rams, which the Rams ended up winning, and I think that was Brady's first game in L.A., so he's now played in 44 different stadiums, which is kind of mind-boggling to think about, but his return to, to New England everyone pretty much just thinks he's going to have an amazing game I think he's going to break, which record is it? Is the yards record I think he's on pace to break this week um, so I guess going into this Mandel what, what's your, your kind of quick preview of the game? Uh, it, it'll be one hell of a homecoming for Tom Brady I mean I don't know if we've ever seen a homecoming like this in our lifetimes in football um you know, given everything that he did for the Patriots, they, they went from being a pretty forgettable franchise to um, one of the biggest dynasties that, that, that we've seen um, in NFL history. And I think his team is going to be the heavy favorites going into it, um, given that, and as you mentioned, even with Bill Belichick at the helm, you're not seeing all that much out of the Patriots this season, whereas you know the Buccaneers have been pretty dominant. Um you know, did lose to the Rams, but overall, have been very strong this season. So I'm still going to have to go with them, even even with the Pets getting six and a half points. You don't have to give your pick yet, but no, that's, uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, just wanted to spend a minute previewing the game, just because I think this is one of the ones. Uh, you know, when the schedule came out, that that really stood out. So maybe it's lost a little bit of its luster with both teams, maybe not fully playing up to their potential, but. 
Uh, I think we can assume while he's going to get a, a huge ovation when he steps on the field and all that. Um, I'll be curious to see, you know, are they going to be cheering for him during the actual game, the fans up in Fox No, no, because they're Boston fans. I mean, I, I, I think that they'll get both Brady and Gronk will get huge receptions, my prediction is, at the beginning of the game, uh, or at least the first time they come out onto the field or they show them on the scoreboard. I'm sure they'll have a tribute video before because this is the best quarterback of all time and probably the best tight end of all time, and both of them brought the Patriots tremendous success in multiple Super Bowls and, you know, in Brady's case, five Super Bowls, right? So it's... It's incredible the success they had, and they have every right to be cheered. But I think that during the game, it's you, you don't cheer against your team. You root for the laundry, as they say. You root for your team. So I don't think maybe some will cheer Brady. And yeah, I Brock, mean, if it was the end but, of the season, and the Patriots were out of it. Right, then it's different. But, but it's still. But in terms of luster, I mean, I'm very interested to see this game because obviously, it probably is Brady's last trip to. Foxborough, barring some sort of craziness, that he wouldn't be playing there again for another th- four years or so, three four years. So it's um, it's exciting. Like it's it's something where, or, or actually, that's not even true because the Patriots would go to Tampa next time around. It would be eight years, right? Yeah, he's playing at age fifty-two. I think six, because <laughs> it's every three years. It would be six years again. So he'd have to be fifty years old. I think it's eight years because I I know Giants and Patriots because we always go to the Giants Pats regular season. I mm-hmm. think it's only every four years that they play. Okay, it so, was anyway, with the seventeenth game. It might be different now. I don't know how it it's all going to work. Now. That's true. But still, it's yeah. presumably the last it's time gonna he's going to be in New England, and yeah. so you you want to see that? I mean, this is like Michael Jordan coming back to Chicago. That there's. It's weird to see him in another jersey, let alone win in another jersey. My question is, do you think Belichick regrets handling Brady the way he did? Because it's clear that Brady still has a lot left, and Belichick's been struggling ever since Brady has left. So I wonder if there's some regret there. And there were I, I saw earlier that they were saying Brady wanted a face-to-face meeting with Belichick, and Belichick wanted a phone call. Oh and really? There's yeah. There's been a lot of some animosity, animosity there. Exactly. So I'm interested to see. I think Brady's going to take it to him. I think Brady wants to show Belichick that he made a huge mistake. I think so too. But I'm sure they'll also embrace each other. You know, in the pregame. Oh, for sure, for sure. It should be interesting. So that's our Sunday night game, right? This week. So. Um, looking forward to that. And why don't we uh, quickly transition to our picks? Um, going into this week, we have Adam and Mandel tied at eight and six, while at six and eight, and then I'm cleaning up the rear at three and eleven. So, hopefully, going to make up some ground this week. And we are picking six games instead of five because we have decided there are two games of the week, which we'll get to in a second. But as a reminder, we pick all of our team games and then typically one additional game of the week chosen by the host. And for the first game this week, probably not uh, the, the prime game on, on anyone's uh, red zone or, or viewing schedule, the Detroit Lions visit the Chicago Bears. Do you want to kick things off, Lyle? Sure. As much as I 
can't stand the way the Bears are going. This is probably the last time they're going to be favored this year, or one of the last times they're going to be favored this year. So Bears are at home, minus three. Do I see them beating a bad Detroit team by a field goal? Probably. Am I going to make a homer pick that they're going to win by more than a field goal? Yes. It wouldn't surprise me if the Lions get this year, but I'm going to go Bears minus three just because it would be pretty pathetic if if they don't cover here. How about you, Mandel? This was actually the toughest one for me to pick because – and the Lions, they, they've been in each of the games that they've lost. Um, even the Green Bay game, they stayed in it until probably late in the third quarter. So you know, none of their losses have been all that bad. That being said, the Bears did play well in the one home game that they had, and, and the Bengals aren't a bad team either. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to say for now, it's going to be, I'm going to go with the um, with the Lions, um, but I'm still waiting to see who the Bears end up starting, and I might change my pick based on that. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, so you guys are one for the Bears, one for the Lions. Uh, this is yeah, this is tough because I feel like you don't you don't know. Which, I'm going to say the Bears have a redemption game, and they they end up winning by a field goal or more. So I'll I'll also go with the Bears, and and Adam did just text his picks, so we will read those as well. He's taking the Lions, so we are We're split. split on the first game of the week. Uh, the two leaders on, have the Lions, so. Ian, it's a chance for us to make up some ground. I guess so. Yeah, or for those to uh, go against us. Yeah. <laughs> for the right, potentially. Um, but moving on to our next game, the Giants at the Saints. I've seen a couple of lines. It was eight. Now it is seven and a half, so I will uh, update that. I think this is the Saints' first game back in the Superdome. If it, I don't know if it's still called the Superdome, um, but post-Hurricane. Uh, so it should be a, a raucous atmosphere down in New Orleans. And um, I know the Giants covered a couple weeks ago, and then we all got the game wrong this past week. So I'm just kind of fed up with the Giants. So for that reason alone, I'm going to take the Saints to win by uh, more than seven and a half. Mandel? I agree. Um, yeah, the Giants, they've had two close losses, and – one pretty big loss. Those close losses were to bad teams, and, and the big loss was to the Broncos, who were a good team. And I think the Saints are good enough that they're gonna they're gonna win pretty big. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting because the Giants have had, as Mandel said, two close losses. They lost at Washington by one, and Washington is not bad. Um, they're not great, but they're not horrible. The Saints. It, it can be a mixed bag. I mean, it's a hard pick. The Saints can win by a touchdown, and then they they lose. But I agree with Mandel. I think that the Saints here, you got to. I think they're gonna win by like nine or ten. So I'm going Saints. All right. So all three of us pick the Saints, and let's see. Adam is also going with the Saints. So for two weeks in a row. Uh, Last week we went all went with the Giants. This week we're all going against them. So they'll probably end up winning this week, would be my guess. Right, exactly. Uh, given at least my luck with, with picks so far. Um, so moving on to Titans at Jets. Uh, I don't know that we need to talk too much about this. I'd be, 
I, the mo- the thing I'm most curious about about this game is what the crowd is like. Is, are they even going to fill half of MetLife Stadium with these two teams playing? Uh, not exactly the, the sexiest matchup this week, but uh, the Jets are underdogs at home by seven and a half. Um, I'll take the Jets to not get blown out this week. I know they've been getting blown out, but you know the Titans aren't exactly a powerhouse. They're much better than the Jets, but let's say the Jets keep it close. I'll, I'll say the Jets uh, lose by five or six points. Mandel? I've got to keep picking against the Jets until they prove otherwise. Because I think except for the questionable first game, they've... Uh, They've never covered the spread, so I'm going with the Titans. Derrick Henry's just going to rip them apart. Yeah, I have nothing to add. I agree with Mandel. I like the Titans to blow out the Jets this week. All right. Well, it looks like Adam agrees, so I'm uh, against you guys. Probably going to lose another game, but uh, I will pick up a game, obviously, if the Jets surprise the three of you. All right, moving on to... Probably of our four teams, the, the most watchable game, let's call it. Uh, the Chiefs will be heading to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. We, we touched upon the Chiefs this year, having a little bit of struggles to start the season, losing at home to the Chargers this past week, which we didn't really talk about the Chargers, but they've been, been pretty impressive too, although they did lose at home the previous week to, to Dallas. Mike Mandel, do you want to give some thoughts on this game and your pick? Yeah, and listen, I, I might regret this, but... I, I, I'm going to go with, with, with the Eagles. I think they're going to keep it competitive. Um, the Chiefs have been pretty underwhelming to start out the season. Um, their defense has been trash, and I think the Eagles can absolutely exploit that. Um, so, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are still likely to win the game, but if the Eagles are getting seven points, I'll go with them. And maybe really regret oh, great. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the big home underdogs are always enticing, and that was I guess part of the reason I took the Jets. In this case, I see the Chiefs having a big bounce-back game. I think Mahomes is going to you know, put the team on his shoulders, and I could see this one being being a blowout um, in Philly. So I'll take the Chiefs to win by more than a touchdown. Wow. Yeah, this is a tough game because the, the Chiefs haven't won any blowouts this year. They've been in close games, all three games. The, the biggest difference was when they lost to the Chargers by nine. So, with the defense being not good, um, but the Eagles getting blown out by the Cowboys on Monday night, they lost by 20. I know that was on the road. It's it's hard to have confidence in them. However, they did play. I, I, just the 49ers <laughs> game seems. It's I'm going back and forth. In my yeah, mind. there's stats both ways. There are. Yeah. I'm going to take the Chiefs here because I think Mahomes has the capacity to blow them out. I don't necessarily trust the Eagles enough yet to, to have them keep it close. I think Mahomes can. I just don't think their defense can hold the line. You know? Yeah, the Chiefs' defense has been disappointing. That is true. Um, that said, uh, Adam agrees with, with Mike and I. He's also going to take the Chiefs to win by more than a touchdown. All right, moving on to our first game of the week. Uh, this one, to me, is, you know, it's two undefeated teams. I think it might be the only, there's only a few undefeated teams left. So to have two undefeated teams face off against each other, in, it, it's not a featured game. It's just a local, uh, you know, regional game. But it's the Arizona Cardinals visiting the L.A. Rams. I know Wild talked about the Rams earlier. They've been probably the most impressive team in football. But Kyler Murray has also 
uh, you know, he's kind of a player. Whenever he's playing, you want to watch him. So looking forward to this one on Sunday at 4 o'clock Eastern. Uh, I can lead it off. Um, I'll, I'll take the Cardinals here, who are underdogs by five. I could see this game being back and forth. Late field goal wins a kind of game. I think it'll be competitive. I know the Rams have been really good, but I'm. I think the Cardinals can hang with them. So, I'll take the the Cardinals on the road. While, what do you think? I'm going Rams at home here. I see them winning by more than five. I like how they played a lot against the Bucks, and I think the Bucks are better than the Cardinals. So, Rams at home. And Al, gonna gonna go with Mike here. Um, you know, these are both pretty similar teams in that they have like elite offenses and. Um, really, really, their defense is pretty stellar too, but I, I don't think the Cardinals are ready for the Rams at this point. Well, our second game of the week has me going against the three of you, as Adam is also taking the Rams at home. Uh, so we will see what happens with that one. And then our final game of the week, which is uh, the other one that we had already previewed, Bucks against Pats. Mandel, I think you gave your pick already. What was that? Yep, I, uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I think, uh, as Mike said earlier, um, Brady and even Gronk to an extent, um, they've got something to prove to the uh, the Patriots fans, and I think they're going to go out and do it. Yeah, I, I think I saw something on Twitter where it was at one of the sports books. It was like 97% of the, the people, even with the points, were on the Bucks. So I, I'm a little surprised they don't make the line higher to try to even that out. Um, but but I agree. I think uh, the Bucks, after losing last week, will uh, regroup and, and play well on the road at the Pats, who have not been uh, not been too uh, exciting to watch so far this year. So I see Brady having a uh, positive homecoming in Foxborough. How about I have you, nothing. Uh, I have nothing to add. I think Brady is motivated <laughs> to blow them out, and really because. The Belichick Brady dynamic. Brady seems like he's got some unfinished business with Belichick. So, blow out here, Bucks. And the four of us all agree with Adam taking the Bucks on the road. So, uh, I guess a lot of agreement this week. Only uh, myself kind of deviated a couple games. So, we will see where that all lands uh, when we regroup after week four. But I think for now, as we're about an hour or so in, uh, we will move on to our final thoughts. Uh, Mike Mandel, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah. So uh, for those who've paid attention to the Ben Simmons saga, he's acted, you know, probably about the age of my uh, one, one, one month old niece. Um, he, um, you know, he's out there first last week saying that not only will, will he not report the training camp, but he refuses to ever play for the Sixers again. Um, then earlier this week, Embiid and, and Toby Harris and a couple of the other guys, I think Matisse Thibel, were planning to go out to L.A. and, and talk to Simmons. And, and Ben had already said, don't come. You're not changing my mind. Just it's, You're going to waste the trip. Um, even Doc Rivers is still saying that. He hopes he suits up. So I say this to Ben Simmons. But there is still a month left until the season starts for you to change your mind. All right? You want to prove these fans wrong? If, if, if you're angry at the fans because you think that, that the city has been too harsh on you, or maybe you're still angry at, at Doc and at Embiid for not defending you in the uh, hour or so after uh, the, the team lost in the playoffs to the Hawks. Come out, prove everybody wrong. You still have a chance. You know, we're talking about 
one of the best defensive players in the NBA, made it to multiple All-Star games, one of the cornerstones of the team. Just help us win a title. Come in strong. Yeah, you might get a cold reception at first, but if, if, if you... You know, if you show up for the fans and you help us get there, everything will be forgiven. So, please, for your for your own sake and for your own value and, and for the sake of the city who you signed up to play and who's still giving you a ton of money, come to the right side, change your mind, rejoin the team, and let, let, let's have an awesome season. Yeah, Mike, that's a good thought, and I'm going to kind of go to a guy that had a redemption story this baseball season. I ripped on Tony Russo when he got hired. I basically was saying I'm not a fan. I wanted A.J. Hinch. I still didn't like the move in hindsight, but I have to give credit where credit is due, and the White Sox had injuries to a number of their key pieces in Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez this year. They had injuries to a number of their starting pitchers, La Russa kept a lot of guys fresh by playing them. The bench was kind of rotated in all year. They've only had their basically optimal lineup six or seven times this year. And La Russa just handled everything really well. And um, I, I was proven wrong. I think he did an excellent job this year. And if he wants to come back next year, I'm not going to be upset about it. So shout out to Tony La Russa. Obviously, with his DUI stuff, it, it's, you know, he has to do do better in other areas of life. But in terms of his management this year, I, I think he did an excellent job. So congratulations to La Russa and the White Sox on a division championship. And I look forward to previewing baseball with you guys next week. Hey, I dumped on him, too. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I'll leave on a different topic. That's the NHL, and uh, this happened uh, probably over a month ago now, but I we haven't done final thoughts in a while, and um, I just wanted to uh, spend a minute talking about Henrik Lundqvist, the, the great Rangers goalie who officially retired uh, after he tried to uh, make a comeback with Washington. He had some heart issues. I think he had to have heart surgery, so he ended up retiring, Um probably the greatest player to have never won a title um you know of the teams that i follow besides probably patrick ewing i guess you could say uh but he was just an all-time great player and he he willed the the rangers to the stanley cup in 2015 lost to the kings but those teams were were so much on his shoulders where they didn't have much offense their defense was even suspect but he would just stop almost everything in sight so um and he was a class act too seemed like a great guy family man and you know never wanted the credit and always said the right thing and and all that so um just wanted to shout out henrik lundquist and and even uh in his you know final season or two he was still um you know halfway decent let's say so many of these guys hang on way too long and fall off the cliff and are just unplayable in in many sports but Lundqvist was still, uh, you know, a great guy uh, and a, a pretty good player till the end, and I'm sure he'll be a a, a quick Hall of Famer in the NHL. And uh, the Rangers are retiring his number and giving him his own night uh, this season already. So, um, just a big shout out to Henrik Lundqvist on a successful and a very memorable Rangers career. 
So with that, we are going to wrap this edition of the Sports Cafe. Thanks so much to the two Mikes, Mike Weil, Mike Mandel, for joining me. I'm your host for this week, Ian Gus. We hope to see you again next week.